0: Dear listeners, welcome to Faces of Digital Health, a podcast about digital health and how healthcare systems around the world adopt technology, with me, Tjasa Zaitz. In today's episode, you're going to hear about the German market for digital health startups, the innovation approach at Charité, one of Europe's largest university hospitals, the challenges with digital therapeutics in Germany and beyond, and more. I spoke with Dorothee Maria-Louise Defer, Deputy Head of Digital Labs, Program Manager of the Digital Health Accelerator and Community Building at Charité University Medical Center in Berlin. Dorothee also shared her thoughts about the expected impact of AI on healthcare systems in Europe. Enjoy the show, and if you haven't yet... Check out our newsletter, you can find it at fodh.substack.com, that's fodh.substack.com. And if you will enjoy the show, make sure to subscribe to the podcast to get the next episodes automatically in your podcast player and leave a rating or a review wherever you get your podcast. Now let's dive in. Dorothea, thank you so much for joining this discussion on Faces of Digital Health, where we're going to talk a little bit about healthcare innovation and startups in Germany, and also how is Germany positioned in the digital health space. Maybe just as an introductory question, 2023 has been quite tur- turbulent for digital health. Where do you see the space at the moment in terms of the optimism and the general uh, impression of the potential that we have around digital health technologies and their impact on healthcare?
1: First of all, thank you for having me for the invitation. As you know, I'm German, so um, I don't know if the glass is always half full or half empty. So I try to be very uh, half full today. Let's say 2023 was rough, especially for startups and especially in the way of funding. But when it comes to digitalization in healthcare in general, I think we are on a pretty good road because everybody tries to make a stretch to make things going on, things moving are we already there? No, at all. I think we are like re- very on the bottom of the ladder. But I think there's still potential. And for 2024, there's lots of things to do. And I hope we get a little bit more open to new technologies and we don't overregulate everything.
0: Mm-hmm. How would you position Germany in Europe? France is really pushing hard the agenda and the positioning as the leader in the digital health space in Europe. Where do you see that Germany is on that uh, scale?
1: So there was a comparative study coming out a few months ago where Germany is really downhill. In the world, when you compare Europe, other countries, on top is Denmark, Canada... Israel and Estonia, of course, and Germany's pretty, pretty down there. The reason is the infrastructure problems we have. I would say Germany really has to move on. Although when everybody talks about the digital health application reimbursement, Germany is on top. So I think France is in the middle on the infrastructure side. They are really good now on the digital reimbursement side because they opened it broader up. But Germany, they don't want to hear this, but it has still a long way to go, especially when it comes to infrastructure, to synchronization of records, of prescriptions. So yeah, that's where I would position Germany.
0: Mm -hmm. You lead an accelerator for startups inside Charité. I have... A bunch of questions there and the insights about the German market, but let's start with the accelerator. How is it positioned inside the hospitals? How do you operate? The accelerator was
1: formed seven years ago from my boss and the former CFO of the Berlin Institute of Health, which is part of Partly integrated in the charity. So, what we are a clinical incubation program that is focusing on digital health solution. But most people will think we just build Degas. No, we don't. We take everything in our program that has a medical, e- has a medical need. Come from head to toe. We're from cancer to mental health, from organoids to heart surgery, and everything that has a digital component is in our program. What is very special about us? We only work with clinicians and researchers coming out of the system of Charité and Berlin Institute of Health, which has to do something with our funding setup because we are funded by the German government and this is like mainly
0: institutional funding. And there we work with the teams towards their solutions. How do clinicians get into the accelerator? So what's the incentive for them? Is it just research projects? To which extent are these ideas actually developed into full-blown companies? So
1: there are different kind of motivations. So for researchers, it's sometimes they want to make their research matter. So they come out of... Their lab and they said everything is just papers but I really would like to do something for patients and that's nice in a university hospital so when you do basic research or research you're still close to patients so that works then some of them they are like scared their scientific career won't go further and they see their colleagues especially in the US and other countries who have founded companies on the side so they see themselves um, as a way to maybe explore different kind of career path and then for the clinicians, Either they want to do something for their patients because in everyday patient care, they are like, this needs to be better. This has to work differently. So they come really with something they have seen that's a problem in the system. Or they are like so driven, they would like to do something for the healthcare system and make things more effective. And that's why they would like to found a company. And for them, for some of them, when you're on an
0: academic career path, it cannot hinder you to found a company. And do you track the success of the company? So you mentioned it's, the program is seven years old. What are some of the biggest successes? To which extent did ideas go beyond something that's detected at Charité and can actually also be used in other places? Oftentimes there's the, the pilot question or problem where it's applicable to one institution, but it can't be scaled elsewhere. So this is something we
1: explore from the very beginning. So we don't fund anything that is just a silo solution. So if there's just a problem at the Charité, that's nothing for us. For us, it's important the medical need needs to be a broad medical need. It needs to be scalable, either to Germany, German-speaking countries, or to other countries. And it needs to benefit patients or healthcare systems in general. That's number one, super important. So far, we have 44 projects in the program. We just onboarded nine more. They will start in February. We have so far 10 and a half spin-offs. The one is supposed to found at the end of this year. One exit of the spinoffs, one is raising Series B and the others are funded. One of our successes, one has a selective contracting and we track if they're still live, if they're good, we are still in contact and we still see what we can do for them. And what we like as well is that our graduates come and talk to the younger physicians. So they see a little bit the reasons why they have done it, why they still go for digital health, founding a company or a licensing deal why it matters to explore different kind of careers. Because if I tell them, I'm an epidemiologist by training, they tell me, what do you know about founding a company? Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, what are some of the success stories? So what kind of companies, for example, inspire you most? What would you emphasize as the key northern stars?
1: So because our teams are
0: so different So
1: I think one of the teams we always love to talk about is a team that founded at the end non-for-profit and they're operating in Madagascar. So they founded a pay wallet that helps to reduce the death of pregnant women in Madagascar by better prevention and care. So that is one of the things where everybody's like, why did you go for this? But the impact, the social impact was so important for us. And we were like, if this works, that would be great. You can scale it. You can use it for other countries in Southern hemispheres. That's why we were super excited about. One of our biggest successes is a company called AI Agnostics. And they work in the field of digital pathology. They're raising at the moment a Series B. And this has been one of our fastest teams is growing, has now over 100 people employed here in Berlin, and they're exploring more options. And then maybe another company that has lots of impact. It's a solution that works on ICUs, and they help to prevent severe side effects after heart surgery. For example, in inner bleeding, it comes, and if you detect it too late, you have to do re-surgery and people are more likely to stay long in a hospital with severe side effects. But the physician who found this was like, wow, during the night shift, I don't have the time. And it's all the data is there, but who has the time to detect everything? So you build an algorithm that can predict from minute number one until you come out of surgery the probability to get an inner bleeding Uh, It's CE certified, uh, it's deployed at different kind of university hospitals, and they have opened this solution up for different kind of other indications like renal failure. And this is uh, just in Germany, scaled just across Germany? At the moment, and it differs, Air works with all pharma companies and they have already uh, spread to other sites not outside of Germany, depending where the companies are. ExCardiac is the other company is maneuvering in Germany because they work in ICUs. They work with hospital information systems. So every hospital information system works a little bit differently and the infrastructure, data structure, all this kind of thing. So yeah, they're like working in Germany. And we have a few other teams. They're like building up and they might spin off next year. They might target already other markets.
0: Mm -hmm. And how do you see that startups are doing when trying to scale to other markets? The reason I'm asking this is that When I speak with entrepreneurs across Europe, everybody says that it's really difficult to scale or to enter Germany just because of the cultural expectation that uh, Germans buy German products. So I wonder what's your comment or insight on that and also how do your startups approach other markets, especially in the Dach region? which I'm assuming is the first go-to market that they try to reach out to?
1: I think it's not so much Germans prefer German products, but you have the same problem when you try to enter the French market, for example. Everybody wants its own data, so it works for your own population. And we don't have one system fits all hospitals, so that's why they prefer probably working with German... Products because they have been tested and developed on the German sites with a German infrastructure where you're already struggling when you try to scale to other hospitals and these kind of things. So I think it's more the infrastructure boundary and then the data and the level of technology you have. Um, I was recently in another discussion um, in, in the UK and we talked in general about digitalization uh, of and infrastructure and how you can scale your digital health solutions towards um, Africa, Asia, other regions. And one of the things we talked about were hindering was the different kind of level of digitalization, of infrastructure, of health literacy. So this is of a thing. So I think we have the same boundaries when we go, for example, to France. We need to set everything up for the French market, all these kind of things. And the same when you look into the U.S. market, where we have quite of a bit of experience, we need U.S. data. We need U.S. data to be accepted. We need unbiased data because they have different populations. They might have different kind of parameters where they measure the success of a solution. So you always need to think very early. What is your market? What is the next market? And what's the best way to scale? Because it's not only in the market scale, you can scale in indications, for example. And for us, when we look on the your second question was the dark market, we always say German-speaking market because digital health solutions work for the German-speaking market, and that's more than Germany, Switzerland, and Austria. So that's where we look, and it always depends on the indication and if, for example, the treatment regime is the same. Because if they're different in the countries, it's very hard to find one solution fits all. Mm-hmm.
0: How would you describe other markets in the Dach region based on your uh, insights? For example, Belgium, Austria, Switzerland. Is, is there a favorite one that startups go to as the first point uh, when expanding?
1: From a personal perspective, I always uh, recommend Austria when startups come, international startups, and they come without a pocket. Because the Austrians, even we speak the same language, they are much more interested to to try to meet new things, they are like more eager to probably pay out of pocket if it's a benefit for them, while the German system, because we have this very structured healthcare system where every um, citizen pays a lot into the healthcare funds, they are not really willing to pay anything out of pocket because of the high costs they already have. Switzerland um, I'm not so firm with Switzerland. And I heard from startups, it depends when you are in the medical device area. Switzerland is quite interesting. And there's a few trials. On the digital side, I have not heard so much. I think if it's a solution that really benefits uh, patients or users there, I am sure they are willing to pay out of pocket. Otherwise, Belgium is pretty interesting. It's a very small country. Nobody really talks about them. But Probably they will be the third country they will start reimbursement for digital health solutions like Digas. And it seems to be very easy. And they are very excited about these kind of things. But you have to know, Belgian market is a small market and you need three languages to enter the Belgian market. So it's probably a little bit, the language barrier might be a little bit of a hurdle. Mm
0: -hmm. So you need to support all three languages if you want to enter the market. Uh, as I
1: know, Belgium, when you would like to have a big share of the market, you need the Dutch, the French and the German language. So depending probably on your disease, but they're all official languages. So, for example, mm-hmm. when I talked about the German speaking market, a part of Denmark, like small of children speaking German. So if you have users there, of course, they can use the solution. Or if uh, you have a German community in South South America, so if they're interested to use the solution, they can use it, but probably not with reimbursement
0: then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You mentioned the DIGAS before, and this is definitely the thing that Germany is most uh, known about in the digital health space. But it also went from extreme excitement about framework existing, making it easier for solutions to actually be reimbursed by all healthcare insurance just by going through one regulatory process. However, there's also been struggles after one or two years where basically because the prices of solutions get adjusted after a year that the solution is in the system, some companies are struggling with just the business side of their solutions because the prices get decreased by healthcare insurance companies. So how do you see DIGA's in terms of their success, in terms of how much they are actually prescribed by clinicians, used by patients? Where do you see the challenges?
1: So I have to admit, I'm one of the very critical voices in the system. But from the background, I come from the clinical setting. This DIGAS, are not really working for the clinical setting because it can be only prescribed in the release management or when you work in this kind of ambulatory side. What I heard in the interaction with the health insurances is they are very frustrated about the prices because they say it's too expensive for an add-on therapy because the digital health add-on doesn't really reduce the standard therapy. It's an add-on to maybe help with patient adherence, to make the patients happier. But this is an extra burden on the healthcare system where we're already like really suffering. And then on the clinician side, it's, yeah, but sorry, there are so many solutions on the market. We don't have the time to assess the solutions. And even a few years ago, they did not even get free access. So now they get free access, but there is like really lots of discussions if this is allowed, not. And so the clinicians say, listen, and lots of those... Solutions, they need heavy explanation to my patients. I don't have the time. And then I saw lately, there was a big report from one of the health insurance companies. They said they need to show a positive effect on the medical benefit for patients, but lots of the clinical studies or the surrogate parameters they hand in, they are so unclear. we don't really see if they can prove that they have an effect. So it's all those kind of questions. And then the other thing is the advertisement was very big. Every startup from all over the world was so excited. So they came to Germany and then there was a bummer because they could not use their own data. So everything they showed, they said, yeah, it's nice you have this, but have you tested this on German data? No, I haven't. So then they needed to restart again. Then they had to enter the process, and they were like, I thought this is easy, but you need money. It takes time. And then when you are just in this kind of, on this website, it doesn't mean you're in. In between a year, you have to prove you have this medical benefit for patients, and then, as you mentioned, at the beginning, you have a nice price, but after the latest I think eighteen months, it's renegotiated, and then it's cut quite a bit because of course, the health insurance cannot pay as long for this long prices. The idea itself, I think everybody agrees is really good; it's just in the execution. It's lots of things they need to change. And this, I think, what they learned over time, the processes will probably change a little bit. France, for example, they opened it up for higher re- regulated classes, 2B and 3, which is not in Germany at the moment. It's just 2A. And this is something they consider in Germany as well. And then how to bring this prescription in the clinic as well. But yeah, so it's, it's very conflicted. The economical side is a massive problem. And yeah, so I'm not very positive about this at the moment, but I still have hope that the idea with a little bit more work and rethinking and not just advertisement and feedback, for example, from the startups, from other countries, from startups, they have failed. We can make it a little bit better because, for example, one of the things, some there were a few digital health solutions on the market and there were digis. And now they're not anymore because they didn't see this positive benefit for patient. But there was a massive discussion if it was actually the product or it were the, the physicians who didn't prescribe it or the patients not using it properly. We need to find different kind of measures to see if the solution has really a benefit or it has no benefit and it's just like some add-on or something. So
0: yeah. I think lots of work. I was I was a, a bit surprised when you said that basically the insurance companies see digas more as an add-on to the existing therapies because by definition digital therapeutics are supposed to be standalone solutions that have proven therapeutic impact.
1: So when you look a little bit into the catalog, we have lots of different kind of categories. One of the most expensive digital health digas. Are solutions that need to be adjusted by either a physician or a speech therapist. So that's our personalized individualized therapies who support the initial therapy. Super important, very expensive, but they need lots of time from the experts. So that's one kind of the therapy. We have lots of cognitive behavior therapies. On the other hand, they are more standalone. But you need still need interactions. You still need feedback if they're working. And that is a different kind of other bunch. So I think what came in as solutions and what was planned differs a, a little bit. So that's why I never talk about digital therapeutics because only a few of them probably fit in this category. Others are digital health solutions. They are an add-on for therapy.
0: hmm Yeah, I think the whole digital health space in terms of the mobile apps went from people having this idea that just because you create an app, people are going to use it, to people realizing that digital health apps are only going to work in combination with the human interaction to actually going towards digital therapeutics that are supposed to be standalone solutions but heavily tested through clinical trials. So I don't know what's your uh, prediction or expectation in terms of where the market uh, is going to develop, where does digital actually help in healthcare and where do we still need to figure things out uh, better? So I think
1: where... Healthcare systems, especially in Europe, struggle at the moment. The most is infrastructure and the lack of personal, of people. At the moment, I see a massive benefit, especially with chat and these kind of things, to make administrative processes smaller for the healthcare workers because they need to spend more time on patient care. And with all the administrative stuff at the moment, they don't have the time. So this is where I think some of the digital health efforts will have in the next few years to make the system supported by AI-based solutions more effective. So physicians mm-hmm. have more time to take care of the doctors. Uh, you mentioned just plain mobile apps. I think the market will be done in a few years because the patient monitoring things, the patient adherent things, you can copy-paste it. It's nothing special anymore. So I think it will go toward, more towards AI and drug development, finding more personalized therapies with the help of digital health, add-on solutions to, to support patients when they cannot see their physicians because there's not enough time. And then I think to help in the better communication, direct communication between healthcare provider, healthcare Assistants, doctors and patients i think this is where it's going and probably the other part which is very boring probably for lots of startups is information because it's very hard still very hard to find the right information for your disease these kind of things physicians don't have the time so curated
0: information with the help of chat i think that's where it goes as a german citizen What would you say is your experience with the healthcare in the digital sense? So doing things through mobile app, accessing your patient data in the digital means, how would you characterize Germany as digital for patients? And what are you potentially excited about in terms of where things are going on the national level?
1: So even I co-run the Digital health Accelerator in my private life. I'm not very digital. The only thing what I use is like the web portal of my health insurance, and this works very well. But the e-prescription I have never used because it has not come along to me so far. And I think there's lots of uh, potential. Let's see in the future. But I would be excited if everything is just in one solution. And I could access, for example, like uh, I think it's uh, Estonia. I have my healthcare record. I can tell, hey, you can use this for clinical trial. No, please don't share this. So just manage with uh, opt-out options what I would like to share, what I don't like to share. And not over-regulated by federal laws, federal scares. So that would be my dream, just to Mm. decide as a citizen what I want to do, what I don't want to do. But I don't see Germany going there.
0: We tend to forget that while Germany is a good or is a big market, it's also federated through states that can decide on different things. That's I don't know, how, to which extent do you observe that startups struggle because of that?
1: They struggle a lot because when I see startups always come to Berlin because they would like to work with the Charité, which is a very good brand, is one of the biggest university hospitals in Europe. And then they come with a solution that's cloud-based. But you cannot get patient records coming out of the surety it's again the Berlin hospital law but for example you can use the cloud in Bavaria or Bremen or something so when I talk to these startups I always say do you come here because you need special data you would like to work and that's why you would like to do this or you would like to test it in general because then you need to maybe go to a different kind of state to then maybe get your solution tested because it's not Possible because of the state law. Yeah, so federalism is a massive problem. We have the same problem, for example, with our colleagues in Italy. So, for example, in Lombardia, it's very digital. Everything is working, but other parts are not digital at all. So I think you have to do lots of market research and lots of background research when you try to enter the European markets and inside of the country, the very fractured system. So that is a very Mm -hmm. big challenge for startups
0: Maybe just one last question. I've been thinking a lot about uh, what the expectations are uh, about the the future of digital health in the upcoming years. And I think that there's a lot to be excited about with the advancements of precision medicine, with the move towards uh, giving uh, patients a very personalized experience. We see that, especially in the U.S., uh, going uh, things going in that direction. But I can't get rid of the feeling that... Healthcare is going to get increasingly expensive, especially in Europe, where we still will need a lot more funding to actually digitize everything. So, where do you see the balance between healthcare improving because of digitalization? and healthcare struggling even more because of the needed investment? I think there's really good examples. For example, you have
1: probably heard about the e-prescription. So it was delayed for a few years because physicians needed extra infrastructure, which they needed to buy. They were not reimbursed for. And, for example, in a big university hospital, bringing something in, like an e-prescription, it's not just a click on a button. It's Heavy work for the IT. You have to change everything. You have to find out what are the needs of the different kind of units. So I always try to explain it like making the Titanic moving. So that's this kind of act, and this has lots of struggles because this needs money. Because so many, if you want to change something in in a big university hospital, this is costly. This is a change in flow and workflows. It's a change in methods. Um, you have to consider all the infrastructure and the extra supplies. So that's a big problem. So that's why I'm always like the ideas politics have. It's great on the one, on the one hand. Who is paying for it on the other hand and implementing it? It's like the, la- the most important part. But lots of times the people who think about these kind of things forget about the implementation. For example, e-prescription as well. At the moment, everybody said, oh, it would be lovely to have this, and it's great, and we try. But then it was like, what about elderly people or people who have daily care? How do they get their prescription? Oh, we still have paper for them. So we always have this in-between limbo. We push forward, and then something's not working, and then we have on the side a backup that's always paper. So I think what I would love for the future... Think from the beginning about all the obstacles and try to make it more effective and easier for big tankers like university hospitals and hospital chains who have not heavy funding and most of the funding needs to go into patient care to get these things going.
0: You've been listening to Faces of Digital Health, a proud member of the Health Podcast Network. If you enjoyed the show, do leave a rating or a review wherever you get your podcast, subscribe to the show, or follow us on LinkedIn. Additionally, check out our newsletter. You can find it at fodh.substack.com. That's fodh.substack.com. Stay tuned.